Hi, I'm Kate Plasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this is Generation BSC. As uh, you may know, this is us revisiting each book in the Babysitter's Club series on a book-by-book basis, episode-by-episode, talking about them from our perspective, what we remember when we were growing up reading them, and how we look back on them now, reading them as adults in our mid-30s, you know, taking a perspective of our sort of micro-generation between... Generation X and the Millennials, which we are calling Generation BSC. We like to think we got all the best parts of both generations. Exactly. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds, just like Miley Cyrus. Hannah Montana. I was like, oh boy. I was like, we're, we're starting with the references oh right away. Yeah. Hot and heavy. <laughs> Um, so as Kate mentioned, we are going to be going through the books one at a time. So we don't... We're trying to do this as unstructured as possible at first. We want it to really feel like a conversation. But we do want to give you guys some kind of guide for what we're going for. So we want to start every episode by reading the back cover, um, acknowledging when the book came out and who it was ghostwritten by. So If we even can figure it out. Right. <laughs> so if you are not aware, there are hundreds, um, upwards of like 400 total books in the greater BSC universe. Um, I believe we have a list somewhere. It's like somewhere. 386 or something <laughs> like that. There's a ton of them um, that came out within a very short span of time, mm-hmm. like 10-year period, yeah. maybe a little bit more. So not all of those were written by Anne M. Martin. There was a team of ghostwriters. So we're hoping as we go on, we can start to sort of recognize <laughs> things of ghostwriters. If somebody writes all the Claudia books and somebody right. writes all the Mary-Kate books. Um, Mary-Kate. <laughs> we have a friend named Mary Kate, and that just slipped right out. Mary Ann, Mary Ann, Mary Kate. Um, you know, same, same. Kate. <laughs> Combination. I have too many Kates in my life. Um, it's true, as yeah. do I, and I am one of them. <laughs> well, let's be fair; there can never be too many Kates. It's true. We're um, the best. So anyway, so I we will kick us off that way. I want I'm going to read you guys the book description of Babysitters Club, Book One: Christie's Great Idea. Woohoo! Christy thinks the Babysitter's Club is a great idea. She and her friends Claudia, Stacy, and Marianne all love taking care of kids. A club will give them a chance to have lots of fun and make tons of money. But nobody counted on prank calls, uncontrollable two-year-olds, wild pets, and parents who don't always tell the truth. And then there's Stacy, who's acting more and more mysterious. Having a Babysitter's Club isn't easy, but Christy and her friends aren't giving up until they get it right. Oh boy. So cheesy. Um, well, Just what we needed in the late 80s and early 90s to get us in- interested in reading the book, for sure. <laughs> and let's be real, we can use a little bit more cheese in today's world as well. That's fair. Um, as comic books have gotten grittier and darker, uh, it's fun to revisit something that's a little bit more light and airy. Um, so, book one was published in August 1986. This was actually written by Anne M. Martin, um, who... I, we've talked about, we mentioned very special episodes where we explore other things, and we would eventually like to do a Anna Martin very special episode mm-hmm. and dig into who our maven is that brought us these wonderful girls. Exactly. But for today, we are going to focus on um, our big ideas about reading through um, Christy's Great Idea. So, Kate, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so I think we, uh, what we're thinking is for each book, we're both going to try to come up with our own great ideas of what we want to talk about. So um, for this one, I think we both have two. I think they might be a little bit similar. <laughs> They're basically the exact so, same. So um, maybe I'll, I'll say my great idea, and then if you want to say yours, which is sort of 
similar, we can maybe just have the conversation without going back and forth on the various great ideas. So, Love it. Um, my first great idea would be to focus on family and gender descriptions. Um, you know, Christy's mom is a single mom. Divorce is covered in a few different ways. Um, the family dynamics, blending families, um, even, you know, gender dynamics of, like, the kids seeing moms as one thing or girls as one thing, boys as one thing, and, you know, how, how those things work out. So that that's sort of my big great idea of this book. Yeah, mine's very similar. Um, I was really struck by how much the girls engaged with the adult world. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we talked a little bit in the intro episode, if you haven't listened to that, about how um, we both sort of fell off reading the books by the time we were about the age of the girls in the in the series, mm-hmm. 12, 13 years old. Um, so I remember thinking them as babyish by the right. time I got to high school, which Babyish is a theme that comes up a lot in Christy's great idea. <laughs> yes. Um, which, for it, if you are listening to this, I don't know if it's still the way, but when in the late 80s, early 90s, nothing was worse than being called a baby. For sure. That was the biggest insult, especially for girls. Um, but I was really struck reading through this again, how much they were aware of mm-hmm. what was happening in the adults' lives, the level of emotional intelligence that they showed. Yes. Okay, there's my nerdy trainer brain coming out. <laughs> um, and how how much they were aware of what was going mm-hmm. on and how thoughtfully that was really handled. Right. Um, and I, I really... I'm, think I've internalized a lot of those messages. So um, you mentioned for one of the things for me was the handling of divorce and single parents. So Mm -hmm. how did that strike you? I, so when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of friends that had divorced parents. Me either. So I think this was one of my first exposures to that as a concept. Um, I thought it was really interesting seeing the different perspectives, um, you know, at least in this first book, since we have Watson and his kids, and we have Christie's family, and those are the two big divorced families and the two sort of different ways that you can see divorced families working. And so, you know, Watson, for example, he and his ex-wife clearly have a very good relationship. Obviously, they're no longer married, but, you know, Karen and Andrew see both parents all the time. They live in the same town. They spend a lot of time together. The mom breaks her ankle and Watson goes to the hospital to help. And I I know there's like some reference like insurance issues, but like he's clearly there like helping her out, making sure everything's okay. So they at least have a good, a a solid co-parenting relationship. Right. They're they're in a very good co-parenting relationship. But then you contrast that against Christy's family and her dad is gone. I think she said she got like a birthday card from him and that's like the most she's heard from him in a year. Oh, she even mentions that um, he forgot her birthday. Oh, is that it? Yeah. But also like he doesn't pay child support. I mean, it's sort of interesting that Christy would know all of this, but but I did appreciate then and, you know, rereading it now, seeing how sort of in-depth the descriptions are and how um, how much it sort of can give you, especially reading as a kid, a different perspective because, you know, my, my parents are still married. Your parents are still married. Mm-hmm. So we never really had to go through that. Obviously, we have friends now that are divorced. <laughs> that's our that's our co-host for the day. We are uh, recording in a very special location in Las Vegas um, this week. And my cousin's dog, our distinguished gentleman, Apollo, is yes. joining us. So if you hear a wolf in the background, he's very concerned with our safety. Yes. Um, don't worry. We will have very cute pictures of him to, yes. to photos on our social media. 
media. But and also don't be concerned that there's always going to be dogs barking in the background. <laughs> so you, if this is your first episode, don't worry. There's not – Apollo will not always be making appearances um, on our episodes. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the conversation, I just really um, – I appreciated the various different ways that they – the book showed families could be. I also, I mean, it's obviously not exactly related to divorce, but um, I was really struck by Claudia's family. I, for some reason, didn't remember that her parents are immigrants from Japan. I think, I think in my memories of the books were that Mimi was the immigrant and that her parents had been born in America. And then, so she and Janine would be second, second generation, generation. Yeah. but no, they're first generation um, immigrants. And that's just, I mean, I guess it sort of explains a little bit more why her parents are so conservative and strict. Um, but it, I just, that, I completely, like, glossed over that as a child and Same. didn't even think about that. And looking back at that now, like, again, maybe it was just where I grew up, which was very um, homogenous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what it is. I loved I loved my growing up. I, uh, uh, that's, that's maybe pushing it. I... <laughs> we both it had was, very Norman Rockwell-esque Yes, exactly. It was, it was up. fine. Um, I, I obviously turned out okay, (laughs) you know, but, um, I didn't have a lot of opportunity to interact with people that had different family situations or different backgrounds. Um, so I think that was sort of one of the nice things about reading Babysitter's Club was it gave me the opportunity to learn about things that I wouldn't necessarily come across otherwise. Same. Um, so along those same lines, especially talking about the different, um, relationships with, uh, between like Watson and his ex-wife and Christie's mom, um, who they mention her name in this, and I've never, uh, I yeah. th- had never internalized that before no. because it's always just Christie's, Christie's mom, mom, Mrs. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Um, uh, which, how- by the way, for those who haven't reread the book recently, her name is Edie. Yeah. Which, which I was like, I knew growing up, I knew I, like my parents had friends named Edie, but like reading it now, I was like, what kind of name is that? And then what kind of name is Watson? That's the last name. Why is that his first name? What is even happening right now? <laughs> right. Um, but I was struck by how much Christy was aware of those mm-hmm. issues. Like that for me was the takeaway. Um, it, it sounds to me like you were more thinking like the overall, like the writing of it, of how they wrote those. Uh, for me, I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that Christy knew that it was about insurance issues. Right. Um, the, the fact that the idea, the great idea for the club was born out of her feeling empathy for her mom. Right. Not getting to eat the pizza because she had to scramble to find childcare right. and being aware that childcare is an issue for her single mom. Yeah. Um, she also talked about, um, it was a small thing, but it really struck me how well they knew adults and how they worked. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions when her mom comes in with pizza, they knew she wanted something. Right. Because mom only gets pizza when... <laughs> she uh, needs to buy when the mom to, favor. to yeah. get a favor. And I'm like, oh yeah, there were definitely things in my house too. Like when my parents were like, let's go to Blockbuster. I'm like, oh, something's oh, going on. Right, what, what's going on? What, I, what do you need to tell us? Who's yeah. getting in trouble for what? Like, what is happening? Something is happening. Oh, it was more usually like they were going out. And right. it, like, let's keep you from complaining yeah, about this. By... Let's distract you with bread and circuses. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and the, um, along those same lines, uh, Christy's mom, or, well, Christy mentions that, uh, they're very frustrated by Marianne's dad because he's very strict. That's going to be a reoccurring Mm -hmm. theme throughout the books. And in fact, some of Marianne's more babyish tendencies aren't really her own. They're sort of thrust upon her by her dad. Um, and... Oh, side note. How do you pronounce their last name? I say Spear. See, I always said Spire, which is not a last name, but like in my head, that's just like, it's Marianne Spire, which is 
not a thing. Well, I mentioned <laughs> earlier that I always thought Janine was Jeannie. So, like, that's there are lots of times there we I come across words now as because I was a voracious reader as a yeah. kid. That, but there were words that I would learn from books that. I would have no engagement with otherwise, so I will now say them the way that my child brain <laughs> yeah. processes them, and and people will be like, "Wait, what was that?" What? Um, so, uh, Spire Spear. I don't know. I guess we might we'll find out in the um, Netflix revival how yeah, they know, are right? pronouncing it. Crazy. Because um, I don't remember from the TV show. I remember watching I don't the TV either. show, but I don't. Yeah, I don't recall. Movie TV show never. We really could, came up. I'm sure we we will watch all of those again. Oh, that's happening. oh I own the TV or the movie. So oh, I own it on tape. <laughs> So we will be watching your copy because sure. I don't, I think we have a VCR somewhere, but it's yeah. hooked up to nothing. Yeah, right. And I don't even know if we would have the right plugs to right. plug it in anymore. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work on any of the TVs yeah. we own. Um, so anyway, uh, they... Yeah, sorry Chris, to interrupt. So, <laughs> so full disclosure, be prepared for tangents from us. That oh, yeah. is how we com- converse on a normal basis. Um why change that now for something exactly. professional? Exactly. Um, but Christy mentions that um, her mom told her that um, Marianne's dad is a widow and Marianne is all he has. So we get to show him compassion because mm-hmm. that's why he's strict with her. He's It's it's born out of fear right. and love. He not a protector. He's not um, abusive in any way or he's right. not uh, – there's a reason for his actions. Yeah. And Although that, I will say – he wouldn't let Marianne spend $3 for a pizza party because, because he, she had to save money for, for clothes and college. They are right? 12. Also, he buys all her clothes. It's like, dude, calm, calm down. down. But he does. And I, I, that's a, I think that if I recall correctly throughout the series, that is a common theme in the Marianne books mm-hmm. is that developing relationship and yeah. her learning to stand up for him herself and right. him learning to calm down. In fact, that, that even starts in this one. Yeah. They mention, you know, he says, you know, you need to save that money for college. And she is so proud and, like, nervous in that conversation mm-hmm. later with Christy where she's like, I stood up to yeah. my dad. And I remember as a kid thinking, oh, yeah, that is the time in your life where you start right. to say, no, I am my own person. This I, is what I need. This is what I want. Um, and, and that's one of the biggest things I remember about Marianne is her haircuts. Yes. Like, that was... No longer having the braids. To wear the braids and then cutting her hair short. Yeah. So, um, I think the... Um, that's sort of the big takeaway for me is how mm-hmm. how aware they are of yeah. what's going on. Um, it shows up in little ways too when they babysit for um, which who's the mom who's pregnant? I can't remember. Mrs. Newton. Mrs. Jamie's Newton. Mom. Yeah, Jamie. That's right. So Jamie's mom and and they get to the house and they're like, "How much longer?" And it, she's like, "Oh, I'm eight, eight, you know, eight weeks out." And Chrissy's like, "Oh, I can't wait for the baby to come." And I'm like, "I do not recall being that like." aware of how right. pregnancy worked at that exactly. age. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm sure I was. I knew right. the basic, mechan- you know, the, the babies right. in the stomach Family first. living, all that fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> we were both Catholic school kids, so we got a lot of abstinence-only um, uh, education yes. in school. But my mom was very progressive in that way. My mm-hmm. mom is a, is a feminist and, you know, gave me our bodies, our ways, yeah. or whatever that. Our bodies, ourselves. Selves. Yes. Yeah. yeah, my mom's a nurse. I got all the, like... This is how this works. This is like specifics. Yeah, like, I still yeah. got the "you're never having sex until you're married" well, obviously. conversation because <laughs> she may be a feminist, but she is also very Catholic. Um, but I remember being the one, like one person on the bus who had that book and being like, "Oh no, this is how it really right. is. This is this is reality <laughs> based on like the very shady, like not shady, but like <laughs> shady, uh, the very very like." like Ten thousand feet surface yeah. level, like shallow. That's shallow. the word I was looking for. The very shallow, shallow view of basically um, the same thing. Same shallow same. and shady. Hey man, 
the nuns weren't shady. That was just the priests. But I'm shady. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, boy. getting political. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, moving, changing topics. Anyway, um, I guess sort of also to go back to Christy's mom, one thing that really struck me, and I think it – I think it also resonated with me as a kid. I'll sort of elaborate as I say what it is. But um, when Christy talks about her mom being a, a working, full-time working mom, single mom, and how she feels, the, how her mom feels guilty and has, like, told the kids that they're, that she feels guilty that she's a full-time working mom. And I'm yeah. Just, I, like, because I, I remember as a kid, like, my most of my parents have always worked. I guess Same. maybe when I was a very young kid or my brother. Um, but my mom... I'm, I mean, I went to daycare from, like, six weeks old. My brother went to daycare from, like, six weeks old. Like, obviously, daycare, people have their own opinions. I am very strongly in favor of it because it is what it is. But um, I I just remember reading that and being like, wow, that really, like – sucks like even as a kid I was like how I like you have to have a job to live like because right? I think it's because both my parents have always worked I um I always have been like well obviously like why why wouldn't you work like it's same I it, that just I remember um in fact when I was very young sort of getting into a fight with a girl talking about how women should work and she's right. like <laughs> got really offended she's like well my mom's a stay-home mom that doesn't mean she's exactly and, and just because that was always the perspective I had right of, of that as well. And I, I pointed that, or I wrote that in my notes as well. She talks about how she makes it a point to spend time with them every mm-hmm. day um, because of that yeah. of that guilt. And um, I thought that was really cool. And, like, it, that goes to my my big idea of that, being aware of that, mm-hmm. being and handling it maturely. Um, Christy, uh, oh, my God, she's so like me in so many ways. Like, <laughs> that's my other big theme is this, oh, God, it took me back and put me in a mindset and I like unlocked doors in my memory of being like, oh my God, I remember that. Oh my God, I did that. Oh my God, <laughs> what was I thinking? But Christy writes notes mm-hmm. to like say I'm sorry because she oh, yeah. can't like bring herself to apologize in person because of her stubborn yep. nature. And I was like, oh, I did that. I used to go to bed and like feel really guilty, but wasn't emotionally intelligent enough to like say to I'm go sorry. Have a conversation. So, yep. But I could have expressed myself in writing, so I would write my mom a note and slide it under the yep. door and oh God. Yeah. Ooh, that, I, that brought me I even though I'm not a Christy, that was something that I was like, yep, totally did that. I think that that's a a more of a kid thing than I realized. Mm-hmm. It's more um I guess more universal. Yeah. Like, I, uh, one of the things I'm excited as we go through this to see how many experiences that I assumed were um, unique and individual to me mm-hmm. are actually universal experiences. Um, one of those big tensions, especially as they, as we're talking about how they engage in the adult world, is we mentioned that, you know, one of the big conflicts is um, the idea of being babyish versus being grown up and mm-hmm. that tension between Christy and Marianne and Claudia and Stacy, right? right? Claudia and Stacy are interested in boys and um, fashion, fashion, and very mature. Mm-hmm. Um, Christy mentions she and Marianne had just given up dolls that summer, right? Um, which is, by the way, weeks ago. So first timeline alert. <laughs> um, they mention in this book uh, right at the beginning that Christy's great idea struck her the first Tuesday of seventh grade. So that right. orients us. This is right at the beginning of seventh grade. Yeah. Um, her birthday was over the summer, so we now have those timelines set up. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna watch from there. Um, so it's this is like Indian summer, early fall. Um, that that they are running around. I tried to do, 
such a nerd. I tried to do some research on like when did Connecticut schools start in 1986, <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're gonna back yeah, up. That, so we're gonna that might assume... be a little too in depth. Although I will say, and I think they may have changed this in the electronic version of the book since I was reading the old copy. So at the very beginning, when um, Christy is sort of explaining who she and Marianne and Claudia are. Um, she explains that Claudia has quote unquote changed since school started. And I was like, well, school literally just started. So at the most it's been like a week we can, and yeah. she's changed so much, so much since school started. I think in the electronic version, they say like since last school year or something, something like, like that, that, which yeah. makes a lot more sense, especially with the like giving up dolls over the summer and Claudia like starting to wear a bra and like oh, yeah. all of that craziness. Um, it just that was just something that was weird. But then on the other hand, there's later, almost at the end of the book, when the girls are having their fight over like being babyish or not being babyish, Claudia makes fun of Christy's sweater that has snowmen and snowflakes on it. I'm like, how how long has this been? I think it's been like a few weeks, and yeah, now she's suddenly a wearing a winter point. sweater after just starting school. I mean, obviously, I wear whatever, or whatever, whatever and yeah. it doesn't really matter. But like, I feel like the descriptions of clothes in the books is very much like. In season, you know, it would be weird for them to be wearing, you know, a sweater in September. So do you think maybe that that is part of the point that um, that Christy is so fashion unconscious that she's wearing a winter sweater in the middle of the fall and Claudia was like, don't do that. <laughs> um, but I mean, if it's like not cold out, regardless of what's on the sweater, I mean, she was clearly making fun of like what's on the sweater. Right. Um, Because I think that Christy's comeback is like, well, maybe snowmen will be in next. Like, sheep are in, and, you know, they were something, you know, cats were in. Like, I I know she specifically mentions sheep, and I think it's because... Stacy was wearing sheep barrettes at some point. I don't know if it's in that same scene, (laughs) but, um, which actually maybe we should talk a little bit about the fashion. Yes. That's something that as, as we were reading, I, I now have a spreadsheet of all of the outfits and the quotes from the books and page numbers, because that's sort of something that timeline wonkiness is yours. Like the fashion is something that I am very, very excited to pay attention to and sort of look back on and be like, I thought that was cool. Like right. Stacy's, a lot of, a, I will say, a lot of the outfits in this book of Stacy's are hideous, terrible sounding. Claudia's, I would wear in totally, a heartbeat. Totally. Um, to be fair, uh, for the listener at home, I am currently staring at Kate, who is wearing a shirt that says "Claudia Kishi is my fashion icon." Totally true. Um, so especially now when it comes to like her making her own jewelry, that's a hundred percent me. Yes. So um, I own some pieces that Kate has made, and they are fabulous. My jam. Um. So uh, yeah, I, I I that struck me too is that she's making fun of her for wearing a print sweater with snowmen, but earlier they describe um, Stacy's sweater as um, pink sweatshirt with sequins and a large purple parrot on the front. Yes. So and also. Later, she's wearing a matching top and skirt made of gray sweatshirt material with big yellow number 10s all over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? what? It's like Goranimals or something. You're supposed to be this sophisticated New York 12-year-old, like, fashionista. 12 going on 30 fashionista, and you're wearing a sweatsuit. A gray sweatsuit, no less. I mean... What? Right. And I thought Stacey was the coolest of the cool when I was younger. (laughs) I was desperate to be Stacey. As I mentioned in our intro episode, I, I totally Marianne, like I fully embraced that, but like I wanted to be Stacey so badly because I thought she was so cool and so sophisticated. And reading this now, I'm like, 
Why? Why did I think that? I dressed better than that, and I had terrible fashion sense as a seventh grader. Oh, God. I, I shudder to think. Um, that seventh grade was the year that I decided to stop fighting the curl and oh. went for a perm, <laughs> and they called me Simba all year because, oh, no joke. Your um, hair is already it's quite, very big. Um, quite Hermione-esque. And oh, I, I like that. I'm going to start referring to my hair. Um, but they, it, it was so big that they had to cut it off on both sides of the yearbook <laughs> picture. Okay, I'm going to track down that picture and add yes, it to the social we, media. we are going you, to find that. Need to it see needs that. to be shared. Um, so uh, it, in the interest of time, I want to move us forward a little bit because we are we will be talking about fashion every time oh, we for sure. talk about this. Um, but do you have a favorite fashion? Because we could talk about it for the next four hours. The, it, this could just be a podcast about the fashion of the yeah. Sitters Club. So... To try and streamline things a little bit. Um, my favorite outfit is the outfit, I think it was from when they have their first actual meeting. Um, it's on page 30 of the physical copy of the book. <laughs> um, it's when Claudia answers the door and she's wearing um, baggy yellow and black checkered shirt, black pants and red jazz shoes, and a bracelet that looked like it had been made from a telephone cord. I'm reading an actual quote, guys. That's yep. why I sound like a robot. Um, and her earrings were dangly jointed skeletons that jumped around when she moved and she noticed that she wasn't wearing any makeup. So this is like the second time they go to Claudia's house because yep. the first time she and Marianne go over and <laughs> she called her she's a clown. A, she, she's wearing makeup, <laughs> a lot of like multicolored, bright colored makeup. And yes, Christy says it looks like she got made up for a circus. And that she's very colorful, and that's her like Sick save burn. is like you're very colorful, um, which is ridiculous. But I will say one thing that I really love about that outfit is um, Christy sort of like questions the no makeup and like yep. wearing the skeletons. And Claudia says Mimi's the only grown up home now, and she doesn't mind if I wear skeletons. Like Mimi. Mimi's the best. I love her. I love Mimi. She is, like, the most supportive grandma ever. Like, she understands Claudia in a way that obviously her parents and Janine and any of her friends, like, she just gets her. And, like, I'm already sad for when we read. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go there. Because I just, I'm remembering how much I loved Mimi. And I remember... I'm sure I'll have a more visceral visceral reaction and, like, stronger memories when we actually read the book. But, like, I know I was, like, devastated, devastated. reading the book when Mimi dies. Right. Oh, I'm, like, getting emotional her, just thinking about it right we now. we lose her way too soon. I, I forgot know. how early that it's comes so, so for early. her being such an indelible character for me and my yes. understanding of these books. I did not realize as I, you know, putting together the list of all the books and getting them all, how early yeah, on like that happens. it's like 15 or something. Yeah. I, it's crazy. It's so crazy. So what? what is your favorite outfit? Well, first, I just need to point out, um, I owned dangly <laughs> skeleton earrings <laughs> that I purchased solely because Claudia has. So totally I mentioned fair. this before, and I'm sure it will come up again, but I would attempt to replicate her um, <laughs> outfits um, on the regular, and I'm sure we will find some funny, funny pictures of that over the years for us oh, to pull out. Oh, for sure. But my favorite was actually her first one. Um, her short, very baggy, lavender plaid overalls, a white lacy blouse, a black fedora, and red high-top sneakers without socks. Um, and then her hair was done in four braids. Um, oh, and that's when she was wearing all the, all the makeup. makeup. Yeah. Sans clown makeup. Because <laughs> I'm envisioning blue eyeshadow. It was the 80s after all. Yes. Um, I would totally rock this outfit. Oh, for sure. Um, in fact, I, we were just talking last night. I'm wearing a fedora out tonight. So um, <laughs> I love me a good hat. Oh, yeah. I am a hat girl. So that was super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am I feel like despite the fact that we thought Stacey was such a great dresser, I feel like 
for most of these books. Maybe until we get, like, Dawn and, like, Shannon. Because I... Yeah. Shannon, I feel like, is actually the, like, really sophisticated one. Fair. Um, although I think her outfits are usually just her... Um, Uniform from, from school. school. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Stony Brook day. day. Oh, prep or something. Day, day school. Day I just pre- think whatever. of the place that um, Mallory wanted to go more than words. Oh, jeez. Jeez, Mallory. Mallory. Um, so, yeah. It, I, I can't wait to see the, how the fashion evolves. For sure. That's, that's hit me right in the feels. Yeah. So I think, I mean... I my other great idea was just sort of reminiscing about remembering what it felt like to read this. I feel like we've, we've sort, sort of, of done covered that. that. Is and I think that was sort of in line with what your yes, other that great was, idea was. That was exactly what it was. It was um, I got all poetic and I thought about how it like opened doors in my brain that I had not thought about in a long time and just brought so many of those things back. Like mm-hmm. we we just had that conversation about Mimi. I haven't thought about Mimi and. 15 years, 20 years. Yeah. And the minute that her name came up, I was like, oh, and that, that feeling came back. So I can't, I, I, my big idea is how excited I am to be doing this, mm-hmm. to revisit those I things. know, for sure. Um, but before we move on completely, uh, we, we didn't talk about it because the other thing when we were talking about engaging with the adult world, we haven't talked about Stacy and her diabetes. Oh, right. So that gets introduced in this one. I For some reason, I thought that didn't come out until... Book three, The Truth About Stacy. Right. Um, I, that's how I always sort of envision in my yeah. brain. But they do engage with that at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Just sort of her saying, I have it, and being shocked at how well the other girls right. accepted well, that. Well, also, the fact that, I mean, I understand, like, fainting at school maybe could cause the other kids to, like, be, like, a little bit weird. But, like, she was being made fun of for having I mean, diabetes. Which it just blew my mind. Like, seriously? Yeah. Well, and how- also the fact that, like, her parents moved from New York to Connecticut. It's not like they went to, like, Long Island or something. Yeah. Like, they moved very significantly far away from where they were just because she was being bullied. bullied. It's awful. So I, I'm hoping that book three, The Truth About yeah. State, engages more with that. And I do know that we go a couple of times to New York to see right. those friends. Right, go and with the doctors and stuff, talk too. Talk more about that. But the thing that really struck me, because since we didn't get too much into the diabetes, is they all know something's up with her. Mm-hmm. Christy assumes it's a diet right away and immediately launches into diets are unhealthy, blah, blah, right. blah. So, like, <laughs> oh, she asked her how much she weighs? Yes, like, which I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> and then she's like... When Stacy's like getting ready to confess, she's like, "I have to tell you something." And Christy fully is like, "Oh, you're anorexic. It's all good." <laughs> and I that I had no. I was like, "How does she know what that is?" Yeah, we, we were talking exactly. about this a little bit before. Um, that is an, another example for me of how much they engaged in the adult world mm-hmm. um, in a way that I didn't internalize as a kid. That right. as a thirty something, I'm like. These right. are really deep insights. These are really big things for kids to to know about. Right. And um, mentioning. Yeah. And I think that was obviously very intentional. They mm-hmm. wanted kids to start to be aware of these things. So that's making me hopeful about, we talked a little in the intro episode about how they deal with Jessie's uh, being African-American, her mm-hmm. her inherent blackness. I mean, she's a black ballerina. That That's some black girl magic right now. We're, we're just now having our first prima ballerina mm-hmm. in the last couple of years who is African-American. Um, so I'm hopeful that because of our homogenous upbringing, we maybe just didn't really see as much right. of that as it went in. So I'm, I'm looking forward to as we go forward. Um, seeing that maybe I was wrong, that there yeah. are places that they engage right. more deeply with with those concepts. Right, because we were so 
sheltered for, for lack of a better word. Um, we only really related to the things that we knew. I think, I I think really as reading back through this, like, I don't remember there being any sort of mention of anything like anorexia. No, that that shocked me. Right. Like reading that. And it was just like, oh, wow. So like, I, I think because when I was, you know, 10 years old or however old I was when I read this book, like I, I'm sure I didn't know what that was. Yeah. No. no So it was just sort of like, whatever. I don't know what that is. So I'll just ignore it. Yeah. Right. Um, doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, do you have any other quick thoughts, things that jumped out at you that maybe didn't quite fit in one of our category, our big ideas? Um, Claudia has encyclopedias in her bedroom. Yeah, that's that struck me as odd. I thought maybe they were hollowed out as hiding places for her candy. Yeah, no, the candy was behind the yes. encyclopedias. So, but I do remember encyclopedias being a big thing. So we were actually just talking about this. My, um, I read Marie Kondo a number of years ago and have like made everybody in my life do it. And my mom um, was Marie Kondoing and my dad would said something about getting rid of all the encyclopedias. And she's like, no, those bring me so much joy because she saved up her money. That was like mm-hmm. a big deal. They were very expensive. They're the nice green and um, gold leather yeah. uh, world books. And she's like, nope, those, somebody is inheriting those and you're not allowed to throw them away yeah. because that was her pride and joy. So um, that just sort of brought me back to that time when in the late 80s, that's how we did research projects. Yep, exactly. We had to, we had to look at um at those encyclopedias so yep. kids today millennials if you are listening well not even millennials Gen- generation alpha zeta oh, whatever they call oh, it whatever. young people oh my god i'm <laughs> sound so old um hello fellow kids, kids. <laughs> hello fellow young people um <laughs> i'm holding a skateboard right now um uh, bless the internet because yes. i mean you may have to worry about whether or not this source is real but if we had to do a report on snakes i had to pull out the s and like oh, flip yeah. through and if they didn't have the specific type of snake oh oh god um ah uh, yes so the other thing that stuck out to me i guess this is kind of in the in the adult world and how i'm paying more attention to the adult storyline than i did as a mm-hmm. kid i think um i was struck by the uh relationship between Edie and Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was very mature that they, like, talked to the kids. And he's like, I proposed. Your mom's thinking about it. Like, they yeah. engaged with them on that. Although, they've only been dating four months. That's what I was going to say. Okay. And then I went back and I read and I was like, they've been dating, quote, on and off for four months. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. But I guess second marriage for both. Right. Um, how- well, it's sort of like when you know, because, like, like Patton Oswalt and yep. – um, Meredith Mel- Salander. Yeah. I can't talk. Meredith, Meredith Salander. Salander. I mean, they they went from, like, meeting to married in less than a year. Because it's like, yeah, once, you, you, once you're, you know, a fully formed adult and you've already gone through it once. You know, you know. In certain ways. Like, it, it's, you know, it's like from the end of When Harry Met Sally. Like, when you figure out who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Exactly. So, it, I mean, but it's still, even reading this, Especially like, kids. I was like, four months. Four months. Damn. On and off for four right. months. Like, that's who. Like, right. Well, and then also, like, they have the conversation about, like, being pre-engaged. And then it feels like it's, like, two days later. And they're like, oh, I actually said yes now. Look at this huge rock on Good my way. finger. Well, I think that that was less... Um, about her actually being unsure she wanted to marry Watson and more about Christy. And so when then Christy came around, they were like, okay, now we can be engaged. Right. But so, she was like the last holdout. Yeah. And I think it was sort of her like easing Christy into the idea that, mm-hmm. nope, this is not like the other. Uh, I guess she doesn't really talk about dating other people, but I'm assuming that she has. I would has. imagine she has, yeah. So that was the other But it's thing. also like her dad. Because I feel like there were some references to Christy 
when when the the pre-engagement conversation happens christy i think has some thoughts about like well you already went through this and it was terrible with my dad why would you do this again yeah and that's what i think is interesting because christy didn't want her parents to get remarried she wants things to stay the same exactly she doesn't want to bring a new dynamic in right. why would you want to mess with what works yeah. so I she think, doesn't want her dad to come back either. yeah no like, she likes things how it works uh, yeah exactly I think as it is that resistance to change for christy is going to be an interesting through line mm-hmm. for her character because we can see that in lots of places that like I think even some of her quote-unquote babyishness is not being babyish. It's She doesn't want things to change. Right. Change is very unsettling for exactly. her. Um, which is interesting as a child of divorce. I feel like that would make a certain kind of sense. Yeah. Um, oh, I did have one other thing. Yeah. When, um, I can't remember who's babysitting. Oh, it's Claudia. When she's babysitting for um, Jamie Newton and the cousins are there. And... Um, Jamie is obviously he's like three. His cousin is Rosie, is a girl. She his she's also like three. Yeah. And he gets mad at her for playing with his trucks, and he says that girls can't play with trucks. Yep. And then the mom's like, "Oh well, Rosie brought her own trucks. Here, go. We'll go get your dump truck." I was like, "Holy shit!" Back in the late '80s, like. Yeah, girls play with trucks too. I mean, I think and I even wrote down the quote like, said. "Jamie, sometimes girls do play with trucks." I was like, "Yep, damn, that's awesome. That is, that is so cool. I love that." Yeah, uh, you, you can definitely tell. Um, Anna Martin has very strong feminist opinions. I mean, yeah. even the, these are about young entrepreneurial well, businesswomen. We've, we've found out in the past few years, like she's queer. Yep, which, which is it awesome. just adds an extra layer of like she thinks about things from a very different perspective, and I I love it. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to. That's one of the things that we really want to talk about as we go through. Um, whether or not that queer identity leaks into the pages at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember any talk of lesbian characters or gay characters. Maybe some of the parents that they babysat for. Right. I can't remember. I, I don't if there remember, was, but uh, that mean, would not. Presumably, at some point, we're going to come across that. I would think. I would maybe, hope. <laughs> I, would, I would hope so, but maybe not because I, I feel like maybe she would want that in there, but. Scholastic in right. the eighties was probably not like well, well, let's straightforward. The... Yeah, I mean, if you Dominant think about perspective it, only <laughs> the first real gay kiss that was um, Buffy and Tara, where that was the first lesbian kiss on television, and then Dawson's Creek was, mm-hmm. and that those were very late nineties, like ninety eight, ninety nine, if not early two thousands. So um, that was a big deal. I mean, it, it was like mid two thousands before soap operas had their first right. gay kiss. So um, that's. This is the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about. <laughs> exactly. All right. So um, with that in mind, we want to um, wrap up every episode by um, sharing what we think our predictions are for, for the, next, the book. next book. So we are reading these one at a time. Um, I We have not read them in many years yes. unless they're ones I've, I've had this box of babysitters club books sitting in my office at work since i think i mean it was like last summer like yeah. we've been talking about this for a while we're finally like getting down to brass tacks and actually recording but like they've been sitting in my office at work because i didn't want to bring them home so i wouldn't read them but it's been it's been like eight nine ten months right and so like i i pull out christy's great idea i read that i'll pull out claudia and the phantom phone calls and read that like I'm, I'm very consciously not bringing the books home so that I can avoid exactly. the temptation. <laughs> Same. I am, um, I, so Kate had the, has the physical copies and I purchased all the um, electronic versions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hopefully going to see some of the places where they may have updated things similar to, um, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, updating oh, yeah. the uh, menstrual. <laughs> the, the belt. The, the, oh God. I, I wonder if they're putting the diva cup in the new. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just remember, I, 
I love Judy Bloom. Same. I so but like that book in particular, I I'll have to post a picture of my copy of it because like half of the like spine is ripped off. I read that book so many times. Me like, too. As we talked about, like we both read all the time and. I'll throw my my story. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a, a line I wanted to use in the intro episode that I didn't use, but like when I say read all the time, it's like Ron Swanson with yeah. the, with all the eggs and baking you have. Yes. Like I literally read all the time. It was like in the bathroom at dinner. Like there was my nose was always in a book, and so like I I also am not someone that won't reread books. Yeah. I I have now reread Christie's Great Idea three like, times, four <laughs> times since so, yeah. So like I there I would get on a kick and I would like finish the book and just rereading it. So yep. like. Are You There, God Is Me, Margaret is one of those books that I just, like, did. But I, I read it, obviously, before I got my period. And I remember being like, what is this belt thing? Yes, I was horrified I, by it. And I, I was, like, nervous to get my period <laughs> because I was like, I, I don't want to... Wow. How do you even wear that? Like, do I wear underwear? Do you not? It's like, so confusing. How yeah. does this work? <laughs> so I'm, I'm very glad that they have finally updated. Because yep. I know, I mean, I, I my copy was not... Like, it wasn't like it was my mom's copy that she passed down. Like, the, I got, like, a new box set that was, like, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Otherwise, known as Sheila the Great. Um, well, the, there's, there were, like, three other ones. Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember. Because I didn't really like the ones with Peter as much. I, yeah. liked, I liked the girl ones. The girl ones, ones. yeah. Um, Peter. <laughs> oh, Peter. <laughs> Peter and Fudge, whatever. Um, <laughs> I did love Fudge. I did love Fudge, too. But, um, yeah, so I, I just reread it, but I... It, but it was like new, right? So it was new in the '80s, and I don't think that I'm pads sh- and belts were still a thing then. Although no. I wouldn't have known because I was, was a child in yeah. the '80s. So I'm pretty sure they up- started updating that in the '90s because I remember mm-hmm. reading an article about oh, how okay. that was a big deal that they went back in and like changed that. So I'm wondering if there are going to be changes like that throughout yeah. um, Babysitters Club and. We know, so we mentioned the Netflix series is coming out. They've also started re-releasing the books as graphic novels. Mm-hmm. So um, I purchased those as well. We're going to probably do a very special episode about yeah. it. But I, I'm going to be interested to see how that translates and if they updated things. Um, for now, uh, like especially with, um, we talked about there would be no need for the Babysitter's Club now that there's cell phones. Right. Um, so how is that going to work with um, with the new Netflix? Are they going to keep it set in the 80s? Are they going to make it modern? Right. We're very excited I'm, to see all that. I, so. I can't wait. I'm so um, excited. We're going to be talking about that ad nauseum for yes. the rest of this. So um, before we go down another tangent, um, let's wrap things up by giving our um, memory slash prediction of Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. Okay. Okay, go first. I will go first, and I'm I'm going to be a robot and read what I wrote because as I was rereading my notes before we started, she recording, literally started laughing at herself. I I was silently reading to myself, and I just cracked up and couldn't stop laughing. So I was like, I'm gonna just read it verbatim when we're recording, and hopefully it's as funny to everyone else. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure I will crack up because I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> so don't worry, I do too. <laughs> Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. Uh, my remembrances are, or predictions, uh, Claudia gets scary phone calls at various babysitting jobs and they don't know who it is or why they're calling Claudia. They are scared and can't figure it out for a while, but then they do. I honestly can't remember who it is, but I'm going to guess Cokie Mason because that girl is a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made me laugh out loud. Because I... That is, that is Kate. Kate is going to mention that about a million, at least once per episode. Oh, I, I can only imagine I will say it every okay, episode. Okay, I, I think our very first... Um, merchandise is going to have to be like Cokie Mason is a psychopath. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to make that for myself before we actually probably even post anything to the internet. Yeah. I do have one more sentence in my my prediction, despite the fact that it 
I don't think it's Cokie Mason, but probably because she is a sociopath. But my last line is, or it's Sam because he's such a prankster. Because oh, yeah. it's it's his <laughs> defining that... feature along with Math Club. Yeah. I, I was like, Math Club, I don't remember that. I do remember the pranking. But... Yes, I remember the pranking and liking Stacy. Yeah. No. Yeah. That was Sam. Yeah. Yeah. The Sam older one. No, Charlie's the older one. Sam's 14. Sam's 14. It's okay. acceptable for Sam to have a crush on Stacey. It's not, not as, really. Because, yeah, like, Charlie weird. can drive. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. So, they, no. Um, it's like Luca in the movie. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Luca. Luca was hot, though. Although, I feel like, despite the fact that even in the movie they're supposed to be 13, they all were played by, like, 18-year-olds. Well, so, like, it felt more okay. So, that is, well... That is a whatever tangent time. Um, that is something that I was reading about actually relatively recently about um, the way that um, what are actually really disgusting relationships have been sort of normalized by television because they're not played, they're by, not played air, by the children. character age. Like if you think about Pretty Little Liars, right. that was a like 15, 16 year old student having a relationship with her teacher. Right. But because. And then they, marrying him. him. Yeah. And like, and that's, and it was like the one true pairing and people were rooting for them. <sighs> it wasn't presented as something gross. It was presented as romantic and forbidden right. love. And the way, and the way that that works is because of the fact that those characters are being played by. Adults. Adults. Um, which is insidious and in a really, it mm-hmm. like, it, it internalizes in a really ugly way. Okay, anyway. Anyway, sorry, your sidetrack. prediction. So my prediction. <laughs> so of all the books, so you mentioned um, your favorite that you read over and over again, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls was my favorite. Ah, okay. Because um, like I said, it was the very first chapter book I ever read, and I loved it. Um, so I, I think I remember a little bit more than you. But you're right, Claudia, they're getting phone calls, but mm. it's before a dance. So it's boys oh, that are prank calling. Oh, yeah, I, I totally want to say Alan that. Gray. Oh, um, Alan Gray. Oh, Alan Gray. I know Alan Gray comes up in this book because he okay. is a recurring thorn in Christie's side. Uh, yes. Um, and on all the girls' sides, but particularly Christie. Um, but I want to say it's one of – it is definitely dance-related. Like somebody oh, okay. is – it's not meant to be prank phone calls. It's call and hang up the way that uh, like – Oh, like, oh, I'm going to oh, call – oh, I'm afraid. Yeah, I can't. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, but what I most remember is their like ways of dealing with it. So <laughs> they were like – Booby traps on doors, like cans stacked by a door. Oh, so when now someone that comes you say in, that, I remember that. Um, but my favorite was they came up with a um, like code word for if they called each other, like, "Do you have the my yellow hair ribbon?" Meant something was going down, and um, <laughs> oh boy, um, and I, we tried to set that up in my family. Of course, like, of, uh, that I think that was an '80s like Stranger Danger thing yeah. where you were supposed to be like, if somebody came up to you and said, "My mom, your mom sent me," right. They'd have the There's secret like a word. code phrase or you something. You don't go with them unless they have the um, secret code. So I'm a huge fan of the McElroy brothers and my brother, my brother and me. And they, I remember them talking about that at one point too, what their like <laughs> family code yeah. phrase was. And I was like, oh my God, we had that. Um, and I don't remember my family one, but I yeah. remember something about the yellow ribbon and like, if you said no, the pink one, that meant you were in danger or like, <laughs> oh, I've got the blue one meant everything yeah. was fine or something like yeah. that. Um, so I, I'm very, very excited oh for this boy. next book. So excited. Okay. So I think at I, that point we're, we're good with Christy's great idea, at least for now, unless we want to revisit it in the future, yeah, which is always an option. We had talked about possibly revisiting Christy's great idea after we get through the hundredth book in which Christy like unmakes the club. Oh, um, drama. So never you know. read that one. So I'm excited Ooh. to get there. So, um, well, well, we may come back and revisit this, but yes. in the meantime. Yeah. So I am Gabe Vlasic and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at possibly even me. And I am Lauren Hunter. You can find me on Instagram at Luella 
Deville, which is L U E L L A D E E V I L L E. You can follow the podcast at Generation BSC on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. And with that, this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Woo! Thanks, guys. Hello to your friends.